Welcome to the Rare Find Voices podcast. My name is Robin Koenig and I'm the CEO and founder of Rare Find. I'm a self-improvement junkie, certified professional coach, podcast host, and public speaker. And I'm a wife and mom of four teenagers. I'm an expert at helping people use their gifts to take intentional action and get intentional results. How do I do this? By helping you realize your gifts and use them as your superpowers. I love challenging people to think differently, see things differently, and then do things differently to create powerful change in their life. Each week I'll share my voice or bring forward another rare fine voice to help you uncover your gifts, step into that power, and allow your brilliance to shine through. Believe me, I know how it feels to struggle with feeling good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, successful enough, and deal with major life transitions such as getting married, getting divorced, changing jobs, or having kids. This podcast is for you if you want to be more confident in your own skin, transform your mindset, and get out of your own way. If you're ready to show the world your greatest gifts, then keep listening because you are a rare find. So let's get started. I am so excited. I have a special guest today. This is a gentleman that I just so admire, and he's got an amazing show himself. This is Dr. Pillay. Now, Dr. Pillay is a best-selling author, a musician, and host of the Profitable Happiness Podcast, where he features the stories of highly successful executives, experts, and entrepreneurs who build happy and profitable workplace cultures. Born and raised in a war-torn African refugee village, he was named after Pelé of Brazil, the greatest soccer player on earth, whose influence was so great that it stopped a bloody civil war. Dr. Pelé internalized his namesake's simple yet powerful secret of success, practice, and later transformed it developing unique skills in art, music, writing, and inspirational speaking. Dr. Pelé is the best-selling author of six books and multiple music compositions that have been featured in top billboards and UK charts, including The Seven Songs of a Successful Team, a combined book and music parable for training and developing business teams. He holds an MBA and PhD in organization and management. Today, Dr. Pillay artfully blends his passion for music with his purpose to help leaders and teams achieve the success they seek. Welcome to the show, Dr. Pillay. Thank you so much, uh, Robin. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm so excited because again, I, I had such a fantastic time and so appreciated being on your show a few months ago, and I've just been waiting for the opportunity to bring you on. So thank you. Thanks for agreeing. Absolutely. So I know I just gave some really awesome insight <laughs> to your background. Um, your bio is so fascinating. So can you just give our listeners just a little bit more about your background and what brought you to doing what you do today? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate uh, the, uh, the setup. I'm gonna have to try to live up to that now. <laughs> um, but I, I, I actually really appreciate uh, the focus of your show um, as you've discussed, you know, your, your idea of think differently, um, believe it or not, has ended up being the thing that I've held on to, not only to survive, but to, at this point, thrive. And, um, you know, I'll kind of give you a sense of that. You know, I, as you said, I was, you know, named after, you know, Pele, the greatest soccer player on earth. And again, here we have a, a thing that's very hard to live up to. And I couldn't play soccer. I, I had no clue how to play soccer. So I think I kind of disappointed my dad that way. But, um, you know, somehow being given a name like that does something to a child. And I grew up always wanting to excel at something. And what I ended up excelling at had nothing to do with soccer, but it was everything to do with creativity. Um, I've been a fine artist as in drawing and painting. Um, I am a musician. Um, I had an architecture degree. You know, my first degree was in architecture. Um, all of these different creative things. I'm a writer. And I found that, you know, if I'm going to do anything with myself significant, I better stick to what seems to be naturally my own gifts, which again goes back to, to, to some of the things you've said earlier, you know, discover your gifts, your gifts, step into them and then thrive, right? That's almost exactly the, 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 the blueprint that I followed. Um, so what, what brought me here, my story really begins, I'd have to take you way back to an African refugee camp. Um, way back um, in, the, in the late 60s, you know, we were in a war zone. Um, you know, I lived in a country called Biafra, actually, at the time. 
um, which uh, was inside of another country called Nigeria, and it was a civil war. Millions of people were dying of starvation and, and, and war. Bombs were falling everywhere. And in the midst of that hopelessness, um, my mother did something amazing to me. She, you know, in lieu of food and shelter, we didn't have those things. We were running around trying to survive. She would make up songs about food, <laughs> about soup, actually. And, um, you know, she would sing these songs to me. And, and these songs somehow filled my stomach and they made me happy. And they really taught me my life's first lesson, which is if you can find happiness first, success will follow it, um, which is counter to what a lot of us believe, which is you got to get that money, you got to get that big house, you got to get that success. And somehow happiness follows that. Well, that never worked for me. So I've always gone back to that music and to those things that just make me happy. And when I do those things that make me happy, it seems that people around me are happy. And so that's kind of what has brought me to think different and to lead with, you know, my music in a world where a lot of people wouldn't even think of music as a leadership development tool or as a team development tool. Um, they certainly wouldn't connect it to science and, you know, the, 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 the psychology that we use in, in coaching. But the funny thing is when you do one layer of research down, you find out that music is all about neuroscience. Music actually is one of the most powerful ways that we can teach people things. I mean, if you think of how you and I learned our, our um, ABCs, we learned it to the song Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, right? And we can never forget that. And so, you know, I, I actually did a lot of research into, you know, the neuroscience of music, the elements of music. I connected them to the elements of leadership and teams. And I have now written a book, as you've said, called The Seven Songs of a Successful Team that really brings that, that analogy and that comparison to the fore and helps people build teams using some of the, 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 the harmony that music has already developed uh, in, in nature. And so that's kind of what's brought me to where I am today. That's incredible. And I mean, just your story alone, obviously, is, you know, it's, it's so unique and it's so powerful. And we all have our own story. But what I, I'm really intrigued by is the fact that, you know, you had this grounding, this foundation of understanding, it sounds like even as a young child, to bring forward and that idea of finding happiness and, and that leading to other things. It, that's a really hard concept for a lot of people to not necessarily even do, but to believe mm -hmm. because you know, we as a society, as human beings, like we want to see change. We want to see results. You know, we're so driven for the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. And so to be able to step back and say, I want to understand better what mm -hmm. makes me happy and how to ground myself in that. My dad used to tell me this all the time as I was growing, you know, as a, into a, you know, a young professional woman and it's like looking at jobs or careers to say, he always told me like, figure out what you love to do, like what's going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And then you can share it with other people. Yeah. And that whole idea of it being a gift and being something you can share with others mm -hmm. comes from a place of joy. Because if you don't believe that, right, joy and happiness, it's like, then, then you can't share it. And it doesn't become a gift. And it doesn't spread in a way that you can impact more and more people, which is exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and in a world where um, they make it so easy for all of us to just step into a little box and earn $100,000 a year, just by going through a one hour job interview. <laughs> um, they make it so easy for us to go do those things when those things sometimes may be the very wrong thing for us to be doing. And then we wake up one day and we're unhappy. Well, it's because we're doing something that's not really designed for us and we aren't designed for that thing. But we got leered into it because of the economics of life and, and the need to pay bills and someone's throwing you $100,000 a year. Again, over a resume and a, and a one-hour interview, it's, it's too easy to pass up. But, yeah, but I think some people um, get lucky. I think I'm going to say I'm one of those people because I, I'm lucky because the corporate experience did not work out for me. Um, and I was forced to go back and look at what it is I truly do love because I did not love the job I was put into. <laughs> uh, despite the money and despite all those comforts, I was not happy. And so I was forced to go 
reinvent and rediscover myself. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that experience. Yeah, well, and, and again, a lot of times what keeps people back is that fear of, well, what if I leave? What's going to happen? Will I not have enough money? Like it's, you know, it, it comes from a place of fear, not a conscious decision to, you know, face that and say, well, what am I really afraid of? And can I conquer those things in a different way? right? A different, have a different perspective or think maybe there is another way to get what I want and still be happy. And that's a really tough decision. And I understand what you're seeing as far as the, um, you know, the first, maybe that first uh, corporate job or whatever didn't necessarily work out. You were able mm -hmm. to look at something different. I actually didn't make the decision for myself. I was in the corporate environment for 12 years and was laid off. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a, kind of like a you know, I didn't choose to look at it differently, but I kind of was like, well, here's my chance, right? What do yeah. I want to do differently? And then it happened again, six years later, I was laid off again from another job running a nonprofit. And that's when I finally decided, like, I literally was like, I am doing this now from a place yeah. of conscious decision. I want to be happy. What gifts do I have to share? And what can I do with that in my own way without fear and I, that's when I chose to get into coaching. Like that yeah. was my big pivot. So yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it, in my in my experience, I, I found that, and this to my shock, right? I found that we are not all the same. <laughs> Some people actually are very, very well designed for corporate environments. I mean, they sure. do, they thrive, they do well. Some people aren't, and and I I just happen to be of that sort of innovative, creative mindset where. I was rubbing, you know, something the wrong way in, 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 in a world where incrementalism was more the preferred approach, you know? And so I think we all have to step back and really, as you say, you know, ask ourselves, who exactly are we, right? And once we discover that, once we really pin that down, then we're free to either stay in, in a thriving situation, in a corporate situation, or leave as I've done, as you've done to go do something that's closer to who we truly are. Yeah. And you know what, as hard as it was, I was grateful now to be able to look back and say, I'm grateful that those things happened. You know, yeah. it's hard to be like, I'm grateful that I lost my job, you mm -hmm. know, but I was grateful that I was able to say that I don't look back on that negatively. Everything I did in those times in those places was extremely powerful. And I'm very mm -hmm. proud of that work. Um, but I was given an opportunity. And so to not take that um, or run in the other direction out of fear is like, you know, I had to learn that though. I wouldn't have been able to do that at, you know, age 25 or even 35, you know, I mean, it, it took me kind of having a different self-awareness to believe that, well, now I can do something else and I'm super excited about it. But that's, that's a hard place to get to sometimes yeah. when you're yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I just lost my job. But you know, that's a defining moment. And so I always really like to understand, like we have defining moments where actually those things that we are either good at, you know, natural talent skills, but they translate to a gift, right? That yep. you can share with somebody else. I call we able to use those as our superpowers and do something then with them to impact other people. So what comes to mind when you think about your gifts Mm -hmm. and, and how you've come to share them with others. Um, in terms of the defining moment that got yeah. me on mm -hmm. that path? Well, you know, the first thing I'd have to say is that I've had several defining moments and maybe there's a thread that I haven't really put together, but I've had several. I've already shared with you the one defining moment, which was just waking up into a world where I was given a fancy name I couldn't live up to. Um, and then through my mother, I discovered that you know, don't worry about living up to it. Just find what makes you happy. And somehow what makes you happy takes you to where you're supposed to be. So that was a defining event in my life. I'd say that, um, you know, several years later, you know, believe it or not, I, I, uh, I, I, I went through the same thing you went through. I was laid off in, uh, uh, in the whole 2008, you know, 2007 period. And I, I, that was when I was forced to do it. So it wasn't like I had some you know, magical ability that just said, yes, I can go do this on my own. You know, a lot of us actually end up waking up and saying, hey, there's no choice but to try, you know. Um, so that was another defining moment. Um, and really what it did was it said to me, I am the product. I am the brand. I am 
it, if it's going to be, it's up to me, right? And I had to figure out what can I, what can I do, me personally, that will translate into helping other people, not under the umbrella of anyone else, but actually just me. And that's when I went back to, okay, well, what can I do? Um, I can write, I can write books. I can sing, I can write book, songs, <laughs> I can speak, I, I'm a speaker. Uh, you know, oh, I just figured out all these things. And I, I said, you know what, I could do that. And, you know, I think we're, we're also lucky if we have role models. Um, I was very lucky to find role models in someone like um, Les Brown, who's a motivational speaker, one of the top speakers in the world. Um, I had, you know, a mentor in a gentleman, uh, he's passed away now, Dennis Green, who was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Um, I also had Pele, the great soccer player, as just an idea that says, you know, you can actually do something just by using your skills and your talents. And so all of these people um, were out there in my life kind of reminding me without knowing it that, um, hey, I might as well, you know, what do I have to lose? I might as well try and go for who I am and what I am today. So basically, I've, I've written these books now. Each book I've written really was a sort of like a stamp, a timestamp for what I was learning at that time, what I was trying to solve, what I was going through. And, um, you know, my books and my songs have all been a way of expressing learning and solving problems. And I think that I've been able to solve enough problems for myself that seem to be problems other people want to solve, that I'm now offering those, those uh, solutions to the corporate world in terms of the team building, the leadership development. Um, I also help, um, you know, successful entrepreneurs connect with clients in big companies. I wrote a book called Big Ticket Clients. And so I use different methods like marketing and LinkedIn and storytelling to help them. So I have really two ideal clients, if you will. I have the corporate clients and then I have people who are just like me who are trying to connect into the corporate. So I use what I learn to, to help others in, in both directions. Yeah, basically where I'm at. (laughs) And, and you said so many things, I'm taking all these scribbling notes here because so much great stuff. And you talked about how, um, you know, really kind of started with that mindset and you said, you know, like I am, Mm -hmm. and that puts yourself into that place of, you know, possibility, Yes. which, um, you know, I talk, there's a, a, a research out there that says, you know, we have, um, over, I think it's 50,000 thoughts per day and 80% of them are negative or what we're, you know, what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And 95% of them are repetitive. So, you know, every day, all we're thinking about is what we don't want and over and over and over again, like no wonder we kind of go crazy. Right. <laughs> and, but to shift that and put yourself into a positive mindset and start with the, you know, the piece of I am and insert a belief that's powerful and positive Yep. can then give you all these other opportunities, right? Putting yourself in a place of choice. And you mm-hmm. said um, something around how, you know, you knew it was what you could control, yes. right? Not worrying about all the other things because it's a sphere of influence that you have, which is yourself. Mm-hmm. You're surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with the person that can make those decisions and bring those things to life, which is you. But also the other piece that you shared, which I love was that, you're creating solutions, not only for yourself, but you realized how much they could help others. Mm-hmm. And so sharing that with other people creates impact. And um, I do a lot of work in court energy. We talk about um, just, that's basically a measurement of enthusiasm for life, not like woo woo Reiki stuff. Yeah. But um, being able to say, when you go beyond just collaboration and within your box or your container, and you make an, a meta impact, that's like a whole nother level of energy, a level six energy. And so you're taking it beyond your container, right? Yeah. To your community on a more global basis and impacting people that maybe weren't even in your circle to begin with, but here you are creating this impact with the solutions that honestly started with yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is, um, you know, a lot of people uh, are, are asking the question, well, who's the right market I should go after? Like, who's got this problem or that problem? And it's like, you're missing out on the biggest research project of all, which is yourself. <laughs> if, if you don't realize that you've already done the research to show what problems exist, then you're missing something. Because I, the, the problems I've had to try to solve for myself are problems that people have. So, you know, you, you just mentioned the, the, the question of mindset. Um, so, for example, you know, you probably are aware of this. Um, one of my dad's uh, favorite sayings, he's passed away, but 
I have it on the wall there. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Like that, that, right? Yeah, that is the number one thing that I think I live by. But, you know, I had to, I had to take what was truly mine. And for me, again, I'm, I'm, I brand myself with the word happy and happiness. And I said, how can I design a mindset shift for myself? And this is actually something that's in my book. And it's a very simple five-part process. And it's spelled H-A-P-P-Y. Every time, as you said, you know, the, the mind is running around in circles and trying to figure out all the wrong things to focus on, right? And feeding the wrong things and growing the wrong e- emotions. I use this H-A-P-P-Y process daily. And it goes like this. H stands for heedfulness right? So what is heedfulness? That is when your head and your heart and your, your mindfulness is, is top of, of, you know, of, of mind for you. And that may be something that you, I do in the morning, but for me lately, it's really walking. I love to just take that 30 minute to an hour walk. It just energizes me both physically and, and, and emotionally and my mindset and everything. I'm not talking about listening to songs or, um, or, or, or books or anything. I'm just, just in your own head by yourself walking. That yeah. really is a great way for me to get mindful. Another way for me to get mindful is music. Now, I know not everyone has this, but the playing of music is a very therapeutic thing, not just the listening to it. That, that's great too, obviously. But as a musician, when I play, it's like, wow, I really get into my head and my heart. So that's H. I do that every day. A is for appreciation you know, savoring, showing gratitude daily, finding at least that one thing you can be very grateful for. I wrote a song called Thank You, um, which is in my book and it's on my website and it's all, all, all over the place now. It, there's a video of it. It's just about being thankful and that that is the greatest superpower, as you've said, we all have really is appreciation. And that. then the, the P stands for practice. So I recognize that none of these things um, just show up. In fact, you could decide you want to be more mindful and appreciate more. But if you don't recognize that it's a muscle, it's a skill, just like anything else, and practice it, you're never going to get there, right? Um, and so optimism, I practice optimism. I, I literally speak to myself. Um, I have this whole idea that um, life is not hard. Life is H-A-R-D, how adversity reveals destiny. And so when I remind myself that life isn't hard, life is really just how I'm being put into my, my, my destiny path. It's how adversity reveals destiny. It really helps me to practice optimism. Then the second P is people. Um, I make community wherever I can. I show generosity. I find ways to create relationships. You know, there's a study, I, I can't remember who did that, but they found that our happiness does not come from things. So for example, the brand new BMW or the big house and all that stuff, that's 10% of our happiness. It comes from relationships. 90% of our happiness comes from people, right? When people love you because you love them or whatever, that's where we get happy. So I always try to find that extra mile that I can walk to connect with people at the people level, right? Which is one of the things that I teach, right? The whole idea of teamwork in corporations is that they focus far too much on results, like numbers and income and, and outcome and all that kind of stuff. And they forget the people. They forget the who instead of, the, you know, in lieu of the what. They focus on the what and they forget the who. And so really, when you can always remember that we are a who society, um, that that really helps. And then the, the last uh, letter, which is why, is saying yes to yourself always. I think you made the point that we, we, we sort of circle around in negativity a lot in our minds. And that's just the science of it. It's just the way we're built. It's part of our protection, right? To survive, all that stuff. But if you can just consciously learn to say yes. Uh, am I going to be successful with this thing I'm trying? Yes, Pele. <laughs> uh, um, am I going to make a good impact at that next speech? Yes, yes. <laughs> and just leave it at that. And so I found that these things, H-A-P-P-Y, right? This formula. Now, it may not sound like it's scientific, but it actually, you can go under each of those and find a whole bunch of science. And I did the research, by the way, that, that supports 
that mindfulness, appreciation, practicing optimism, um, you know, focusing on people and saying yes to yourself, having sort of an internal positive story, all of these things really create a happy person. And when you are a happy person, you're more productive. And that's how you create happy teams, happy families, happy businesses, and so on and so forth. That's so, so powerful. And I really appreciate that you put it into, again, a formula. And at the end of the day, what like you've designed an understanding that people can kind of follow, right? Step-by-step process and, and utilize. Um, but it comes from your experience, you know, and I, and I realized too, you have done the, the research and all of that, mm-hmm. which is incredible, but also it's like, you've done it for yourself. And I do think that that's, um, that's an important way that I show up to help serve my clients and people that I, I meet is like, I'm, I talk about the things because I've experienced them or I've learned from them. And that's truly how I want to share. And it's, it's not a matter of saying, is this, will this work for you? But it's an invitation to say, try this on. Yeah. Try this on and see what you think. Um, but all of these pieces, this is this is so awesome. And you you shared something that I really also like to try and tap into more understanding is around you know productivity, leading to you know the definition of success. Mm-hmm. So you know I know that for you 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 know you mentioned that really the definition of success is finding that happiness first, or that leads mm-hmm. at least to a path. So I guess the question is I don't want to answer it for you. Mm-hmm. is what is your definition of success and what does that look like through your lens? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it, that, that's a really great question for me because actually I, that's what I call my company. My company is called Profitable Happiness. Um, and my podcast is called Profitable Happiness. And so I have really gone all in on that definition of success. So for me, success comes when we first find happiness. And when happiness then leads to us doing the things that make us profitable. Um, so I think in terms of, I call it the three H approach. Um, so first of all, you've got to be happy or your, your employees have to be happy. Um, secondly, your organization has to be healthy. Um, and what do I mean by a healthy organization? Well, that means this, the management, the leadership, the support systems, the finance, all the things that make an organization correctly support and motivate employees. That's what health is. And it really comes when companies recognize that they have two stakeholders, the the income and the sales results, and also the people, right? And when they focus on both equally, that's when you have a healthy organization. And then the third H is what I call harmony. I think that harmony is the key word that's missing in a lot of business. And, And what I did was... You know, I, I did a bunch of research about that word, harmony. How do we create harmony on teams? How do we, from harmonious teams, create profitable businesses? And that's really what was the core of what I did to create my current book, The Seven uh, Songs of a Successful Team. I asked the question, you know, as they say in, in PhD school, what's your research question, right? <laughs> my research question was basically, how do we create harmony on a team? Now, you know, I have a saying, if you want to learn how to fly, you should go ask a bird because nature has already perfected flight for birds. They know how to do it. So stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Just do what the Wright brothers did. The Wright brothers over 100 years ago simply did a bunch of research on the flight of birds and they copied it. They duplicated as much as they could in mechanical terms what birds were already doing. And that's just brilliant. Another example of, of going outside of your industry, if you will, to, to look for uh, a model to copy um, is uh, uh, Frederick Smith of Federal Express, FedEx. You know, he actually, re- a lot of people don't really recognize or maybe give him credit for this, but he re- revolutionized the transportation industry. Before FedEx, um, any sending of, of, of packages was done almost one by one. Like you'd put all the things going to New York from California in one plane and send it. And then all the, all the things going to Minnesota from California, you put another plane together and send those things. And it was highly inefficient to just do the one-off sending of planes, uh, you know, back and forth. And so what Frederick Smith did was he went to the banking industry completely outside of, of transportation. And he found that the banking industry used something called the hub and spoke system of um, you know, disseminating information where everything was sent to a central hub. 
then the processing was done at the central hub and then sent back out. And when you do it that way, you actually increase efficiency by up to 100 times, which is what he saw in, in transportation. So I, I asked myself, okay, since it's a, a thing to do, since we can go outside of our industry or go into nature and look for a solution and copy it, where can I find harmony? And then I said to myself, look at that guitar over there next to my couch and look at that piano over there in my house. Why? Music has solved the problem of harmony. There is no other thing in nature, in my opinion, that has so constructed principles and rules and formats that enforce harmony. Nothing does it like music. In fact, the neuroscience of music is such that you and I can tell immediately if something is wrong with, with a song or if something is beautiful with a song, right? And so I went into, in, deep into the, 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 the study of the elements of music and the neuroscience of music to learn the principles behind how harmony is created in music. And then I transported it into teamwork and that's my model. My model is basically a, 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 a duplicate of how harmony is created in music but it's being used to create harmony in people. And it's so cool because what you're talking about here, I mean, there's, again, so much here, right? I'm going to yeah. go back and like, listen to this again and I'm going to be like <laughs> taking even more notes. Um, but again, like it was about the lens that you looked through to then see the guitar and have it bring to light a new idea, mm -hmm. a different perspective and a solution that, you know, again, had you not, looked up, right? Kind of like taking yourself out of this, you know, everybody's kind of in this place of like, I don't want to keep my head down, keep going, keep going. Yeah. But, but the solutions sometimes come from when you stop. They come from a moment of peacefulness, or even like you said, the heedfulness where you're allowing yourself to then open up your, your brain, right? The neurological, uh, James Clear talks about it, the neurological pathways, like a traffic jam, Mm. and how you know if you're too many cars on the road like you're not going to allow yourself to get through that traffic jam you're just going to create more so you're opening up the pathway mm -hmm. to then see something a little bit differently mm -hmm. and what i would love to kind of understand your your thoughts on this is like we're in this moment now right two months in or i think it, yeah it's been two months in a you know global pandemic you've got a lot of people struggling with a lot of different things you've got teams of people trying to learn new ways of working, of connecting, of collaborating, you know, businesses trying to find their way out. And so, and, and just, there's a struggle. There's just yeah. an overall struggle of people. And yep. so what I have seen, and it's interesting, you told that story about FedEx is like innovation comes from such unique places, so unexpected mm -hmm. that I believe now that, you know, we're going to see innovation we're going to see even more. We're starting to see it. Yeah. But I would love your perspective of like, where do you think people can draw from this current situation and look towards new ideas, open up their mind to something totally different, the guitar analogy yeah. mm -hmm. for this current situation now for leaders, employers, businesses, people in general, what can yeah. they learn from this experience using some of those principles you were just talking about? You know, I, 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 this is such a great question because I sit down sometimes and I think to myself about when something like this happened recently. And, and the best thing I can think of in my experience is the internet. Hmm. You know, when the internet basically showed up, you had, you know, businesses like Borders, right? Who were not, they were brick and mortar and they had no, no resource at the time to completely transform themselves when the new opportunity showed up. Um, you had another one was, uh, you could say the music industry was affected. The creative industries, many of them were affected by the internet. Um, and it, it was really those in industries that were able to adapt to this new online world that were able to thrive. And all of a sudden, you've got the Amazons of the world, uh, obviously Google, you know, Facebook. So the world has already changed like this before. It just didn't happen from a, a, a disease. And so when I look at this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 um, era, if you will, what, what it's forcing us to do, I mean, when in human nature or experience has it been a fearful thing to be near people? I mean, this is, this is big. This is not, I mean, this is huge. You know, the internet was huge. This is huge, maybe huge-er, if that's a word, right? Yeah. It's big. 
Um, and so what this is doing is it's forcing everyone, I think, to rethink how you can create social without personal social all the time, how you can create impact, like speaking to people or um, doing music or any of those things that needed crowds. How do you do them now remotely? So for me, um, I actually have found in this a moment of silence. You know, I think that sometimes the greatest gift we have is silence. Um, in fact, uh, Mozart is not usually credited with this, but he actually once said that the music is not in the notes, but it's in the silence between the notes. Um, and, and I just think that this whole period is a time of silence that is allowing me, and I'm sure many other people, to really think carefully. Who are we? Um, who do, whom do we serve? How do we serve whom we serve? And how can we do it using the new realities that, that we're faced with? And I hate to say that I've found a positive in all this, but I really have. I, I was never, you know, in my industry, what people normally did was get on a plane, go speak at a company, use that speaking engagement as sort of the, uh, the impetus for a follow-up to, to do a, a coaching or something else. I never really liked all that. <laughs> so I hate to admit this, but I'm kind of happy with the fact that I'm, I'm forced to design all of, redesign all of my programs as online offerings. Everything's virtual. I have, I have a virtual team building now that is based on my, my music model. I have virtual speaking. Um, I'm a member of the National Speakers Association and um, that's developing now. The whole idea of a virtual speaking uh, uh, career is actually developing as we speak. So I think that's the future. You know, how can we use this moment of silence to, to evolve and make sure that we don't end up like Borders or um, what's that famous uh, video store that everybody talks about that went out of business? Blockbuster. Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster, Borders. I mean, how can we be the Amazons and the, the Googles and the Facebooks that have evolved in, it, right in step with this new internet technology? I think COVID-19 is really just pushing people further into the internet, internet world. Um, and that really is the future. Yeah. And those are great points too. And, and the fact that, like you said, you're kind of glad or happy that this is giving you some things to change, yeah. you know, and that can be really hard. Change is not something we are built to like, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're not built to want it. Um, but it's more about the perspective of saying, you know, opportunity is showing up now. Yeah. It's kind of like, you can't not look at it. The opportunity is showing up now. Well, you can, you can not look at it and say, I don't want to see it. I don't want to change, right? And resist it, which really is just going to keep you stuck for more longer period of time. Because at the end of the day, evolution is, you know, happening. What do they say? You know, change is the only guarantee in life. And, yeah. Yeah. and so if opportunity is showing up, how do you want to open the door? Right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so for you, you, you know, you mentioned the words adaptability. I was just, I just recorded with another guest and we were talking about gifts and she said, that's her gift. Her gift is adaptability, which has taken a long time for her to realize and understand, but yeah. truly is such a gift because man, it's, that's, that's a tough thing to do. Um, but you've shared that that's something that is, a, it's a skill set that can be extremely valuable in this moment in time. And if we're able to, stop for a moment and and it's a great pause as everybody is saying and mm -hmm. now open our eyes to what those new solutions could be man that could just be some powerful stuff and the spark that you've been waiting for but just didn't have a chance to light because you were just doing and doing and doing this whole time so i yeah. love that you're you were vulnerable in that in that place to say maybe showing up in person isn't my favorite thing. So <laughs> let's go online and let's, you know, not judge it and just say, this is more purposeful for me. Yeah. This is more intentional for me. Yep. And now what do I want to do about it in, in a super powerful way for yourself? Yeah. No, in fact, I, I was already on this path. I had already designed for myself this life of what I, I called, um, a location-free entrepreneur. <laughs> oh so I, was, I, I was already on that path, but now COVID-19 shows up. In fact, a lot of people talk about the idea of a new normal or, you know, all these things. And I'm like, uh, this has been my normal. I, I've been working from home and, and, and these kinds of things. This is kind of what I do every day. So, you know, I think that, as you mentioned, flexibility is key. 
Um, you know, there's an African um, parable or proverb that says, uh, the wind cannot break a tree that can bend. And, you know, we all have to become trees that can bend. You can be strong, but when the wind blows, you should be able to bend. And I think what I'm doing, and I think a lot of people are doing and, and should do, is ask yourself, okay, well, where can I bend um, without breaking? Where can I bend so that I can survive this current weather? <laughs> no, that's, that's, I got the visual already because I'm super visual. I'm seeing it bending and yeah. stuff. But yeah. I also really appreciated what you said was, it's where can you bend? It's not an if, right? Because we know that we can, but it's where. And maybe it's not in every part, right? It's, you know, being afraid of, you know, the flexibility, it, that's a common thing. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's just one place where you say, well, where can I bend that's going to relieve some of that stress, yeah. you know, the wind and the tree. Um, and so that could be really, really, really powerful for somebody to say, I saw this one area and I decided that this is where I can bend. And mm -hmm. now by doing that, it's helped me feel less burden or less stress and so forth in other areas of my life. Um, and, and I, I'm, I wrote down and I feel like I, this is needs to be like engraved on something, this location free entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is incredible. And I do see that as such an opportunity. I mean, myself included, I can do what I do anywhere that yeah. I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've designed that specifically for me. Yep. And I know that that's going to serve me long-term. That's what's going to give me the career and the lifestyle that I want for the yep. long-term, the life that I want for the long-term, because yep. I want to do it from wherever I've got, you know, I've got some properties in Florida and I live in California and, but who knows, maybe yeah. I just want to go somewhere else and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, we all have to take that first step. Um, I remember my first step into this world that you've described was really LinkedIn. Now, I, I know that, um, that that's not a very sexy thing to say, LinkedIn. <laughs> well, so what, so what about LinkedIn? But the fact is, I can connect with and network with people on LinkedIn better than I can in person. Because, you know, you know, I, you know I've become an expert in all the methodologies and marketing systems on LinkedIn. And when I combine them with podcasting and content marketing, that was, my, that was the thing that saved me from having to be this person that would get on the plane um, and, and travel to try to, you know, connect with people and so on and so forth. Um, so everyone finds their path, but whatever your path is, it's going to involve possibly changing something. And I think you're right. We can't be afraid to change. Yeah. And those are great words of advice, especially now. And that's, that's, you know, where I was even going to ask you about was kind of like in this current situation, you know, some, some words of advice and, um, I appreciate the fact that you're really looking at as what works best for you because yeah. it's so normal and so common to judge ourselves based on what other people are doing. You see the social media, you see the LinkedIn, you see the Facebook, whatever it is. It's like, Oh, that person's doing it that way. That must be better. Yeah. Right. And we put that judgment on ourselves and then start to do things in a way that isn't in line yeah. with what we truly do want because we think it's what we have to do or should be doing. We should on ourselves. Yeah. And so being able to step back from that with belief and trust yeah. and knowing that, you know what, maybe your way is just different and that's okay. And accepting that and then still doing it, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to come to a place of clarity and acceptance of what it is that you want in line with your values and then say, now, how, how am I going to do that? What is this going to look like for me? And be super excited about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So if you had, um, uh, I guess, actually, I'm going to change my question because I was going to okay. say, well, I was going to do something else, but I like to understand what keeps you motivated. Mm -hmm. So how would you stay motivated and consistently working towards the success that you desire? Mm -hmm. Do you have a routine or something that you do, or just what is that motivation for you? Mm, interesting. Well, you know, the, the normal ones that I'm sure everyone shares are things like family and um, perhaps faith and, and those kinds of motivations, uh, you know, um, finance, you know, all, all kinds of motivations. But I think significance would probably be the, the word that I would put on, on top of every other word, which is to actually make an impact on people. Um, so for example, um, 
I have a, a good friend from Dubai who gave, he didn't realize he invented something I think is fascinating, but he said to me one day, he said, look, Dr. Pillay, you can either count or you can count. And, and I said to him, wait a second, do you know what you just said? And he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you can either count your money or you can count and be significant. I, I said, dude, write that down. That is genius. Because, you know, it's like, hey, you can either count and be significant or you can count and count a bunch of money. You, you know, choose. <laughs> and so I, I've chosen that whether or not I'm, I'm rich or I'm poor, I want to count. I want to be significant to help other people. I want to actually make an impact on lives. That's probably my biggest um, motivation. So, for example, it leads me to want to solve problems in different ways. So, for, I'll give you an example. Right now, I have a what would I call a virtual team building and team development system. Okay, and it's based on the idea that if you look at how trust, which is the number one key thing that we all need for teams. Was, was developed. It was not developed during meetings per se, or during, you know, functional things. It was done at the, at the, at the water cooler or, or at some, you know, event. It was, trust is that thing you build when it doesn't seem like you need to be building it. It just sort of happens. Well, now that we're not working together, most of us in the same office or in the same environment, how are you going to have those water cooler moments? How are you going to have those opportunities to build trust or to, you know, correct wrong assumptions that are flying around, right? And so <clears throat> the idea of building a system that addresses this virtual new world that we have to live in, that's a great motivation. So I think we, we all have to find our motivations that bring us to solve problems for other people. But I, I've really found that um, being able to um, first ask myself, okay, what problem have I experienced? Um, how did, was it a real problem and can it be solved? Solve it and then go to the market and say, hey guys, I can help you. I figured this one out. Um, this one truly works. And so that's kind of, that's my formula, if you will. If I, if I have a formula, that's it. <laughs> and, that's, and it's great because also, again, it's, it, it's going to be unique for every single person, but mm -hmm. the approach is the same, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and this is not to knock anyone who, who lo loves to do research and go find problems that they have not experienced and solve them. Th that's perfect. That's, that's how life works. But for some of us, we actually end up starting from within, uh, from our own challenges. I was once told uh, by a boss that the, the reason he, he's, he didn't promote me and why I'm not a multimillionaire today is because I wasn't good uh, as a team player in his team. Um, he said, I wasn't patient. I wasn't loyal. Um, I can't remember what the other one is, but he gave me a list of things. You know, that comment has driven me to do so much research and write books on <laughs> teamwork. I am so grateful for that feedback. Um, this is, I'm talking 30 years ago, but I'm, I'm so grateful that um, someone helped me see the problem that I was having. Now, I'm not, you know, knocking him or saying that he was right or wrong. It's just he helped me see something. And it has forced me to go out there, fix the problem, and come back. And now I can say to other people, I get why teams don't work. I've been there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I can help you solve it. <laughs> it's awesome because, again, you've got this, this understanding of kind of what happened and you wanted to look at it, you know, through a different lens and stuff. But I also really wanted to share, too, like, I find that sometimes that, some people feel like their solution maybe isn't big enough or isn't enough and just in general. And that um, maybe it's not as different or it doesn't have to be this like crazy dynamic, like never ever been seen in the world before type of solution, right? We, we give ourselves such high expectations to solve the biggest problem, find the biggest solution when really some of those smaller solutions that worked for us could really be valuable to another person. And I really try to encourage people to share that. And that's another reason why I do this show with guests on my show to talk about things because I only have a certain set of problems and solutions that I've experienced and shared, but there's so many more out there and yeah, yeah. just, just help one person drives an additional impact down the road. There's such value in that. And I yeah. really hope that, more and more people will share their solutions, the things that they've been challenged with before and come up with an idea or a way to approach it 
even if it's not for everybody, it doesn't have to be for everybody. It can just be for one person and that can be so powerful. Yeah, even if, even if you're the queen of England or the prince of England, you have some problems that you can discover, solve, and use to help other people, right? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Prince Harry, is that his name, right? <laughs> if he starts a consultancy helping princes and kings all over the world, you know, deal with, you know, deal with their realities. I mean, because he's an expert at that now. Right, right, right exactly. And, we, and again, we have the ability to do that, but not believing that it's not enough. It's like, just throw that out the, throw that out the window. Yeah. You know, you've got something that you've dealt with. You came up with a solution. Please share it because yeah. somebody else will need that. And that yeah. can be extremely helpful. And, you know, give yourself credit. Give yourself yeah. some credit for actually coming up with an idea versus saying, I ain't got nothing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing for you. So, um, oh my gosh, I was, all these amazing things. The count or count is brilliant so tell your friend that's yeah, his, his his name is rajiv daswani i just love his name he he's such a gentle uh, wise gentleman so he needs he needs credit for that and that yes. definitely is going to yes. stick with me for yeah. a very long time <laughs> yeah. um and so and i also you know i always like to ask my guests too about some mantras or a personal quote you shared with me so many but you did send me another one i want to get your input you told me this is actually your quote or your mantra great teams equal great results tell me about that you know so basically it's the whole idea that we focus too much on results um and we need to to switch from the what we're trying to achieve and now bring a balance between what we're trying to achieve and focus on who is going to achieve those results for us. And so I just created a, an equivalency, uh, you know, that says, hey, great teams equals great results. And, you know, just if you think of simple math or any scientific formula, what's on the left is the same as what's on the right, right? And if they're not the same, you have a problem. So that's why I say great teams equals great results. That's, that's awesome. That's, you know, Math not being my favorite, but I can see that <laughs> very clearly. Um, but no, that's, that's powerful. And, and thank you for sharing that. And, you know, in general, like you've, you really have such a fabulous perspective that you've put into, you know, works of, you know, your writing, your music, the way that you guide people. Um, and so just, I'm so honored and so appreciative of you taking the time to go through some of these things. But I know there's so much more that people can get access to just by connecting with you. So can you please share with our listeners how they can reach you and find out more about all of the awesome things that you have to offer? Yeah, it's, it's uh, fortunately only one place. <laughs> it's uh, drpele.com and that is uh, spelled D-R-P-E-L-E.com. Fabulous. And I will put that into the notes for the show and, you know, help people find exactly where you are. I know I have been so impressed with just the things I've learned in the short time that I've known you and had the pleasure of being on your show. And this just enhanced it even more. So I am very appreciative and so happy that I got to have you on my show. So thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. And thank you to my listeners and everybody that's been listening. And certainly if you feel like this is something you can share with somebody else that maybe is going through something, they need to understand how to find their happiness, their profitable happiness, get in touch with Dr. Pillay. Um, please share this, subscribe. And thank you so much for listening with Love and Laughter. Have a great day. All right. Thank you.